Happy New Year, everybody. How you doing this week? Much better than last week. I had the flu last week, so I tested a couple times for COVID. Never got a positive result back, so... But there was some really awful flu, so it, I don't think it really matters what I had. I was down for the count. I missed uh, Monday and Tuesday at work, and then the rest of the week, it was just kind of, okay, I'm here, but by the end of the day, man, I was dragging all three days. The long weekend really helped me 100%. What about you, Brad? I got COVID over Christmas, so that was a fun Christmas. My kids got me ribbon light. What do you call it? What's the light I put on my TV? The backlight thing. Yeah. The Hue light strips? Yeah, the light strip. Thank you. I, my kids got me a Hue light strip and an HD sync, and I pretty much, like, I don't even know if I even watch TV now. I just kind of watch the lights on the wall <laughs> and listen to the audio. <laughs> Have you ever done that thing where you can connect Apple Music or Spotify into it, and then it turns it into a full uh, epileptic seizure-inducing uh, techno disco with your music? Have you done that? So some music, if you kick it on to Apple Music, it'll play not a dancing background, but you know, it'll show the album art and sort of swirl colors that are from the album art around on the screen and the lights behind the TV kind of match that. So if the album art is red and green, it'll mix some red and green on the screen and then it'll spread it out to those lights. And there is a mode supposedly I can go into there's a separate app for the stupid sync box so you have the light and then you have a separate box that you detach to it that intercepts the hdmi signal called a sync box and you have to download a separate app for it and you create these entertainment quote areas and you i basically have to create one for tv one for music and i can say do music and then it'll like do all kind of wild i wouldn't call it a spectrum analyzer if you remember the days of of winamp or whatever but it, it does do some kind of cool iTunes visualizations, if you remember the iTunes visualizations command T feature. I swear Hugh would make you download a separate app for every light you have if they could. <laughs> and collect metrics on it, too. I do like the fact that most of their stuff, is, in fact, as far as I know, all of their stuff works inside a home kit, so you can bypass most of that crap yeah. and never use it. My home setup never mimics what's in the Hue app itself. They're perpetually out of sync because I just never go in there and, and uh, set it up. I set up four lights from Ikea yesterday on the Hue just because we had these special lights in our kitchen, and they were like 25 30 bucks a pop. In a year, four of them have went bad. Like, they just start flashing on and off, and I, I haven't been able to fix them. So we bought, like, the cheaper $10 lights at Ikea yesterday, and I got those set up last night. They're not near bright enough. So now I have six lights in my kitchen, hanging lights. So I kept the two I had <laughs> that were working, and then the four Ikea lights, and it's bright enough in the kitchen now. So, But I I'd had uh, my other Ikea lights, just or other Hue lights, just started flashing on me. Interesting. So those were those weren't hue bulbs that went wonky. Those were IKEA bulbs. No, the ones that went wonky were the hue bulbs. That's why I wasn't going to pay thirty bucks a pop for them again. So I just went with the ten dollar IKEA bulbs to replace it and put those in yesterday. As someone who's had tons of hue bulbs, like the not even the the white ones, the multicolored ones, I've only had I think one go out. And the warranty with hue is like two years or something like that. So if you have it and it breaks, they will send you another one with no problem. So just FYI. I should check that out because these were 25, 30 bucks a pop. They're the ones with the filament. They're the filament bulbs from Hue just because that looks good in the kitchen, right? You got the hanging lights and I don't need crazy colors in the kitchen. That yellow light that comes from the filament bulbs is perfect for the kitchen. They just started basically flashing all the time on me or you'd turn them all off and then one like 30 minutes later would just come back on like there's a ghost in your house. Perfect style bulb for that. <laughs> I wonder if it's the wiring or something like that that causes the issue. It could be. So I'm going to wait and see what happens with these $10 bulbs from Ikea, and we'll go from there. I have my electrician coming out this weekend. We're adding a spotlight in the backyard. We're going to be going with one of the Lutron Caseta lights for that because the way that we're having to put it, there's nowhere that you can put a switch that's convenient. You'd have to put the switch in the attic. 
So I was able to sell my wife on, well, we'll just have a remote control because it'll be just like the ones that I have embedded in my office here to uh, control the lights. So that'll be, uh, that'll be kind of nice. And, uh, but I've been having some issues with HomeKit lately where it's just been sort of wonky. Uh, Jason had some of the, the same issues that I had where like my automations will run at night and then it'll turn on all but one light. And it's a different light every day that won't come on. It is the weirdest thing. That's weird. Like, I've had that where it's the same light, and you're like, okay, something's up there. But no, they have a different one. Call me a conspiracy theorist, but I think it's iOS 15. I, I think it is, too. Because if I run the automation again, everything comes on fine. It's the it's the oddest thing. So one of the things that I'm going to do to eliminate this as a, um, you know, get in the, put on my troubleshooting hat. And uh, we were talking about this on Telegram a little bit earlier, but I'm going to do a layout get a floor plan of my house Then I'm going to use polycam on my iPhone to do. I don't know if you guys have ever used it back when I was in the hospital a lot. I used to get bored and take 3d renderings of the entire hospital room. My mom's about, <laughs> my mom's about to move before too long. Yeah, I, it was cool. I didn't even get the ceiling and everything. I could, I could recreate these things in like a CAD software. It was great. So my mom's getting ready to move and I went and I did a 3d render of her house of just mostly all the furniture stuff, you know, not really trying to get a floor plan, but give us an idea when we have to move how big each piece of uh, furniture is going to be. So I'm going to do the same thing here. And I, I don't know when they added this, but if you do, if you use the LIDAR on your phone and you map out your house, you can also, and was one of those render things is generate floor plan. And I did that on the renders that I captured on her house a couple of weeks ago and boom, it laid it out really nice. It was, it was something else. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And I'm going to start doing, you know, the little tests around the house to see how strong the idea of the Wi-Fi is. I don't think it's a Wi-Fi problem. I really don't, you know, I've got all the latest, uh, ubiquity, the Wi-Fi 6 stuff, and they're all backhauled over Ethernet. The channel should be, you know, Brad, I'm going to need you to, to genuflect over it and make sure that it's it's cool. But I think everything should be fine. I may have to adjust where, you know, some of the um, the units. I never can get them put on the wall or the ceiling because my wife has a fit about that stuff because it's not aesthetically pleasing. You know, it's fine in an office complex. It's not really fine in your house. I know that Jason has that one famously on his wall that you know, points out to the entire house, but I, I, there's no way I would get the, the sign off of doing something. I used to have that. I used to have my, my disc was literally on the wall next to the TV, not behind the TV because I didn't want it behind the TV. It was literally like the disc hanging off the wall. I just, I can't get the, I can't get the buy-in for that. And I just don't like the way that it looks. I turned the lights off on all of mine anyway, so that they're not illuminated and they don't announce their presence, but and I have them strategically placed. I think my wife took a whole bunch of my old protein powders from when I was hitting the gym and put those in front of one of them. So I'm going to move those around because I know that's, that's causing some issues. And so I have them strategically placed so that the, the transmitter is facing out. But it's not, uh, I'd rather have it, you know, like in the, the center of the 20 foot ceiling, you know, the main living room, have it on the ceiling up there and just have it broadcast down. I think I'd be doing great. And I may just, you know, who knows when the electrician is here, I may just sort of sneak that one past the wife and, and get that put in and see if she notices. Well, I mean, you know, they're white and they're like, they look like boob lights, Car carbon monoxide detector or smoke detector or something. I mean, that's what I equate them to. Yeah, just write, like get you a sticker and put smoke detector on it. And nobody will think <laughs> twice about it. It's not a bad idea. At least having one in the central main living room, because they have a very open floor plan, and putting one that's like right up there would be great. And given the central access to the attic that's right above it, it would probably be pretty easy to put in, and then nobody would really notice it unless you were looking. So, you know, I'll have to see if I can I can sneak that past. But I do want to make sure that everything is in order technology-wise. I've been doing a lot of tinkering on uh, stuff that was on my to-do list that I just hadn't felt any motivation to do. But now I've uh, my energy levels have returned a little bit, so I'm trying to do that. I guess one of the, the big things that we both did this week, me and Jim, we both got our own NASs, our own QNAPs, thanks to uh, Brad's recommendations. And I was I was looking at the specs before just before we recorded, and ours are very similar, though I have to give you the credit. You went and got the quad-core model. Mine's only a dual-core. Yeah, I went quad-core because I bought a QNAP a couple of years ago, and I actually returned it because it just wouldn't do what I wanted um, as far as the streaming. Now, what we've got now is day and night compared to you know, what we, what we, what I had then. Um, but I just kind of figured, all right, I'm going to, you know, go for this and, and try to go the, the quad core route. And, um, it wasn't that much more expensive. So I just went ahead and, and, and did that. Um, you've already set yours up, whereas mine just came in today. So mine, I've got the new box sitting here and, um, my drives aren't in yet. My drives won't be in until the end of the week. So, um, so I'll, I'll, my part of mine was, was strategic where I could let 
uh, Brian set it all up and figure out all the little quirks and everything. And then I could just ping him if I had questions. So I'd now that then I'd have him and Brad to go to. So <laughs> I'd be happy to do it. Um, I, I've really enjoyed putting mine together and, and going through it, though. I have to say it's been the first time that I've actually had to mess with actual storage things in quite some time. So, you know, one of the one of the jokes we've had on our Telegram is that I've had a Drobo attached to my iMac for years or like, I don't know, since 2015. And even though it's directly attached storage, I've always used it in the same way that I would have used a Synology or QNAP in the sense that I can share it out over the network. And the iMac is essentially doing the processing that you would do on one of those devices. So I've always viewed it that way, even though it's not. And my goodness, what a world of difference on the, on the QNAP, because that almost feels that takes me back to doing stuff in the, in the EMC world a few years ago and creating the storage pools and, and all of those, those fun things that I just, I haven't done in so long. Uh, definitely one of the advantages that I see with this too, is that you're able to run containers. So you can do like Docker instances of stuff and put it on there, which is, you know, that that's kind of a game changer. That wasn't even the reason I bought this. I just wanted a, a badass Plex machine with a lot of storage and that was it something I could make a dedicated device and not have to worry about my Mac being on or up or whatever and you know once I started delving into all those applications seeing the Docker stuff you can do is fantastic so I use Raspberry Pis to run Pihole and Homebridge and those are fine they're great I have no no qualms with them but I'm seriously thinking about, well, they're very low computationally you know they're not very CPU intensive so I could put those images on a Docker instance on site on the uh, QNAP itself. And I would be just fine. And that would give me one centralized facility for managing all those things. So I'm, I'm definitely going to have to figure that out. One thing that I did find that was weird, you know, you have a VPN client built into the QNAP. So you're able to go out and do things like, um, you know, uh, if you want a BitTorrent and you want to, uh, to not get the, the ding from your, uh, from your ISP, you can use one of those, uh, the VPN clients. Well, I did that just to test it out, just to see how it worked. And as soon as I did that, it broke Plex's ability to see into my network to connect to the Plex app, which I did not expect. So I need to do some digging there and, and find out what's going on. I, I mean, I, I can kind of guess. Do you have two interfaces on your QNAP? No, and I probably I probably should have done that. I you know make it easier, but it was it was definitely causing some wonkiness. And as soon as I that, turned that, that off, that will cause some weirdness. One way around that, if you don't have a second Ethernet interface, is to get a QNAP certified USB to Ethernet, and then make that your dedicated VPN you know path. Well, I do have two internet. I mean, two Ethernet interfaces on the on the QNAP. I just, you know, I wasn't thinking about it. I it's actually sitting in my guest bedroom right now because when I was setting it up, I was too lazy to go downstairs, so I just set it up in the guest bedroom. Wife comes in there the next day like, "What is that thing that's making all that weird noise and flashing lights in the in the guest room?" I'm like, "Oh, that I told you about that." Yeah, mine's going to sit underneath the TV, so that's going to be interesting. You might be moving it soon. <laughs> I was about to say when I heard you were going to do a direct HDMI connection, I'm like, eh. I don't know that I would do that. That seems a little, I mean, you have the adequate network bandwidth and it's going to be hardwired anyway. You don't really need to do it, but it won't be hardwired if it's not there. That's just it. That's the only place I have wires is where the TV is. That's where my cable modem comes in is right there. So I don't have wire anywhere else in the house. That's it. Damn. I don't have wires coming into my office. So, okay, well, that kind of sucks. Well, I mean, yeah. at least you, you do have the, uh, and that's a shame because you have the 2.5 uh, gigabit Ethernet, whereas I only have the 1 gigabit Ethernet. Yeah, well, that was my thought is, you know, I'm going to just set it up in there and see how it goes. We'll have to see how it goes. So um, my thought process was very similar to yours in that I have my old MacBook Pro from 2017, and then I have an 8 terabyte and a 10 terabyte drive hanging off of it. Uh, off of the uh, USB-C ports. And so that's my Plex server slash little house server is that computer. And it started giving me warnings lately that the battery is bad and I need to bring it in for service. And so I don't want this laptop to blow up, you know, like the battery to puff up on me and swollen battery, <laughs> basically kill the laptop completely. So that was my impetus to start shopping around and, my first thought was the Mac Mini, and then um, and then I got to talking to the Telegram group, and and then just kind of stumbled upon uh, QNAP, and I think I'm I think I'm very pleased with with that because yeah I can do a lot of things with it that I wouldn't necessarily done with the with the Mini, and um, it seems like it's got a lot of great little built-in apps uh, from what I've been you know just watching little videos and whatnot, so I'm I'm really excited to uh, to check it out. 
uh, this weekend. The one-click installation of things really makes things simple. And, you know, I had sort of I'd sort of not wanted the complexity of, of managing something like that before. But I tell you, with the Drobo, I should have never bought a Drobo. But it was 2015. It was a different time. You know, I didn't know any better. Right. No, that's what was there. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I bought a, a QNAP a couple years ago. And I it I didn't like the performance. It wasn't it didn't wouldn't do what I wanted to do at that point. You know they didn't have full on Celerons in them. You know you know it was a you know cheapy little processor in it. Um, so you know I I think they're definitely much better now. Um, that was one thing I was glad that y'all both went with Intel because you get better performance and uh, results when you're doing Plex for sure. Yeah, and that was another reason I didn't want to build like a Raspberry Pi type Plex server too. I've seen people do that and just seem like, ah, I don't want to mess with ARM. I'll just I'll stick with, with Intel. It'll be fine. You'll wind up with a lot of transcode problems down the road, and it really is easier with Intel. Though if I had to do it over, I should have gotten the same one that Jim did, not just for the quad core, but for the built-in 8 gigs of RAM and the 2.5 gigabit Ethernet interface. Though, to be honest, with the exception of the RAM, which was only 20 bucks to add and do it yourself, like you see all these videos on, on uh, YouTube of like, here's how I did it. And they, they took the whole thing apart to add the RAM. And I started to do that. And I looked and I was like, I can see the RAM slot right there. Like done one, one move, one action. So I'm glad I didn't follow some of those, uh, those guides online because it just seemed ridiculous of like, you know, when the, it's staring you right in the face and you can do it. Why, uh, why mess with it? But I'm not going to be transferring stuff to it so much that, oh no, it takes 30 more seconds to, to load my things that I'm putting into it. So, and I was going to say like, don't consider this a challenge, but I feel like you won't tax it toward you, you know, one gigabit is just not enough. True. And if I, if I'm being totally honest, what I should probably have done was go for either the 16 or the 32 terabyte drives instead of the eight terabyte drives, because storage is the one thing that you, you can never have too much of, right? I'm not really going to probably max out the, the processor. I mean, it's just going to be me using it. If, if my wife is watching it, it's chances are I'm sitting there with her. So it's not like we're watching two different streams. It'll sit in my office eventually down here. So no one will have to see the flashing lights and the, hear all the, the, you know, the drive access. So, uh, the drives is probably one area where I probably should have I've should have gone a little bit higher because even with the 32 terabytes even if you're doing raid 5 I mean it's only going to be 20 something gigs usable so eh, the uh, the other thing they don't really they don't really tell you is of course if you have something like a drobo what's really nice is you can pay 5 bucks a month to backblaze and you can back that stuff up all day long, have multiple versions. It's great. But with standalone devices, you're going to end up having to do something like, uh, I think you use this, Brad. We talked about it. It's the, uh, the B2 right. backup yeah, through, uh, through a Backblaze. And that stuff's like $5 a terabyte. So my, my, <laughs> my storage cost to, to back up this stuff is going to go up exponentially. That's kind of one reason I was like, all right, if I get Raid, I won't feel as bad if I'm not backing it up online. I don't know. Does that, does that make sense? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Uh, well, rate, rate is not a backup. I mean, just, it helps with drive failure, but you know, and I know you don't, you don't have, you know, hundreds of users inadvertently deleting files on file shares and stuff, but you know, I don't want you to get confused about raid raid is not backup. Yeah. Well, what you want to be able to do is survive a drive failure, right? Right. In any given situation, you just want to... Now, depending on what you do, you can survive multiple drives dying, but that's going to cut down on your available storage. For me, I think one drive dying at once is probably the most likely scenario. Even on this piece of garbage Drobo that I've had for six years, I've only ever had one drive fail at one time, not multiple drives. And, you know, pro tip, buy yourself a spare drive and keep it in your closet. And when that happens, yank, pull... Now, granted, it's going to take some time to rebuild, but do that and you should be fine. I have a, I have a four terabyte that's been sitting in my closet since 2017 that I've never used, never even been opened because the drive failed within six months. And I think uh, Western Digital replaced it because I was using the Reds way back then in the uh, the Drobo. But having just a spare drive on hand in case something goes wrong will, will help you with a world of hurt. Now, granted, this is mostly stuff that I've ripped out of my own DVDs and Blu-rays and whatnot. So do I really want to pay an insane amount of money to back it up? Probably not. What I'll probably do is, since those file systems are very close right now, is I'll sync from the uh, QNAP to my old Drobo and use Drobo to back that up to to uh, to backblaze the standard way I've been doing it. That way, if something fails, I can restore it and I'm not like just panicking. Even though I don't like the Drobo, that's smart. Yeah, that's probably what I'll do. Is just move the stuff that I absolutely 
don't want to lose back over to one of these USB drives and let it back up to Backblaze. <clears throat> so I went with, I only bought three drives to start with, and I bought three 14s. So basically I'm going to do RAID 5 with the three 14s, and then I'll just have an extra slot open if, you know, if when I ever decide. But I, I don't think I'll ever need, because uh, even with three 14s, I'm going to have a usable of 28 terabytes, which is, you know, just insane, right? I think uh, I may... I don't even know that I'll fill up half of that yet. I, I may hit 12, 10 to 12 now. Between the two drives that I have now, I think they're about 10 to 12. And there's a bunch of junk on those that I don't need. I had to, you have the space, so you just kind of dump it there. So we'll see. But uh, I went with the, the 314s. They should come in by the end of the week. And then um, I'll try to try to get it set up over the weekend, hopefully. get it, get it it At least get it started. One of the reasons I wanted to go from 12 terabytes where I... What I have on the Drobo now, I think it's it's four fours, but I think I have 12 usable. And I'm not close to filling that up completely yet. So it seems like what I have may be overkill, but it's really not. Because what I've started doing when I rip DVDs, I don't compress them really anymore. I'll, I'll rip them to MKVs. But I, I try not to do a lot of uh, you know a lot of compression on those things. So when I rip a Blu-ray now, it's it's 25 gigs for a movie instead of like two or three gigs for a movie because I want you know if I have the space, I might as well use it. And if you use um, if you use uh, 4K, if you if you're ripping those, those are like 100 gigs a movie. So you can you can run out of space fast if you're putting stuff in there. Now, granted, I'm trying to be more <laughs> 10 movies per terabyte. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh. It can be a little something. I'm trying not to do too much with a 4K unless it's something that you can't stream in 4K. So I have, I think the two movies that I have in 4K in there right now are They Live and Flash Gordon from 1980. Both of those are 4K HDR because you can't stream those off iTunes. But I'm not going to put like my, my Marvel movies in there, or my Star Wars movies in there because I can stream those in 4K with Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos through Disney Plus. You know what I mean? It's I'm trying to be, if I'm putting stuff in there, it's hard to find stuff or stuff that is out of print or things you can't find. So I'm hoping that... So you're saying all you need is either a Q, you need a QNAP and Disney Plus and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, you know, you and I both have... Don't let his wife hear that. You and I both have any stream, too. So uh, I think one of the things I told the the the, uh, the channel on Telegram today was I was pulling Night Court off IMDb TV, and any stream will automatically remove the commercials from IMDb TV. So, you know, hey, that was a sitcom I loved back in the 80s and 90s, and I'm going to go and put all nine seasons of that in my, in my Plex. So it's going to be eclectic things like that, but... Your main, your big mainstream movies. I think I have the 4K version of Donnie Darko behind me in this this big bin that I was thinking about ripping, and I have to go to iTunes and say, "Wait a minute, is do I have that in 4K on iTunes? Do I really need to rip this, or can it just be something I watch occasionally?" So, I'm trying to be economical about the stuff that I have, and and uh, I need to make sure you guys have access to that too. Don't judge me too harshly on the TV shows for all those Real Housewives franchises I have in there, but uh, my wife, that's about all she'll watch, so I put those in there. I just call it hoarding. So, you know, it's just it's just more stuff. <laughs> I watched the Dallas one, so uh, Dallas got canceled, as I understand, though you can you can see all those on Peacock though. But uh but yeah, I like the uh if you guys don't follow it, the data hoarding uh subreddit is is pretty good too because they discuss these types of issues. It's it's wonderful. I do. <laughs> That's my tribe right there. Those are my people. <sighs> so let's see. Jim, you got a new ride this week. Tell us all about that and all the neat technology therein. I did. I did. I ordered it on September 4th, 2021, and I received it a week ago Saturday. So it took a little over four months for it to come in. It's a, a 2022. So I ordered a 21 and it basically didn't get made until they had started making the 2022s. So I have a 2022 uh, Ford F-150 uh, Limited. So basically it's the, the top end uh, Ford F-150, uh, the you know, sadly, the the fanciest truck you can buy, and that's what I bought. So, um, I've been, you know, I still have my S two thousand, which you know is a two thousand four. It's got you know forty four thousand miles on it, um, and I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do with it. I haven't decided yet. We'll get to spring and see, but you definitely don't sell a convertible over winter, no matter what. Um, the prices are, you know, will get better in the in the spring and summer. So we'll see. It, you know, depending on how much I still feel like driving it, um, if I want to sell it, I know I'm already going to make, you know, a lot of money over what I paid for the S in 2017. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm probably going to make at least five to 10 K 
just because prices have, have risen that much on the S2000s. But uh, the truck is just, it's great. It's got, you know, the heated and cool seats. It's got massaging seats. Uh, for the first time this weekend, I got to try out the Blue Cruise, which is Ford's uh, self-driving. And um, I really wasn't even, like, expecting it uh, on the highway we were on. I haven't really been out on, like, the interstates in, like, the Loop and Dallas are just too busy. Um, so, you know, I haven't gotten out on, like, I-20 or 30, like, outside of Dallas to ride. But we were kind of coming up the tollway Saturday night. There wasn't a lot of traffic. And um, I hadn't even tried the cruise control yet because I just hadn't been on, you know. So I turned on the cruise control. And then, like, two seconds later, boom, like, the light comes on on my, my uh, dashboard. And it's like, Blue Cruise, hands off. And basically, it just started driving itself. And for about eight miles up the tollway from, from downtown Dallas all the way up to uh, 635, it took the corners on its own. You know, I mean, I say corners, you know, curves, not really corners. Um, I had the cruise set on 75. My wife was uh, freaking out. Uh, basically, she was like, my watch is about to go off because it's going to say that my heart rate is elevated and I'm not doing anything. Um, you know, she's like, put your hands on the wheel. Put your hands on the wheel. I'm like, it's good. It's good. It's good. You know, and it, it just that's the first time I had driven a car, been in a you know car with self-driving like that. I, I know that's not a necessarily a new thing, but for me, that was the first time and it was really cool. And um, I can definitely see how that would just be really awesome. Like, you know, if we're going to Mississippi or something and you're just cruising down I-20 or I-10 or I, what is it, um, uh, 90, the one from Shreveport down to Lafayette, you know, whatever that one is, um, you know, just, just letting it drive for you. Really looking forward to that. Um, wireless CarPlay is so nice. You just get in. It automatically connects. The music is there. I was kind of shocked. It automatically put the button on the screen to open my garage for my wireless CarPlay, like from HomeKit, which which was, you know, like I'd, I'd never seen that before. My my wife's Mazda has, has CarPlay, but it, you know, it never like offered anything like that, whereas this one automatically picked it up and knew to show it. I was just trying to mess with you a little bit because that's been a feature for like a long time. I don't know why that's not doing it on your wife's, but it's it's been there forever. Yeah, it just it showed up on there. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then, um, yeah, so you know, just the the navigation. So when you're using the uh, Apple Maps to do your navigation, it still shows up in my, uh, you know, like the directions still show up in the area behind the steering wheel not just on the screen but you know it, it does it in both places there uh, it knows to, to do all that um, it's got this massive uh, moon sunroof that goes the whole length of the super crew cab um, so you know just super excited about all the the crazy tech you know remote start and it's been cold here lately so that's been nice basically it'll it you can set it to auto and now I can just say, start my truck up. And when you get out there, it's 72 degrees in there, whether it's cold outside or hot outside. And it knows if it needs to heat the steering wheel for you. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, after driving a 2004 sports car for a couple of years. Now, my, like I said, my wife's Mazda is, is only, a, you know, maybe two years old. So it's got, you know, it's got some bells and whistles. But this thing has got so much stuff on it that I, I haven't even messed with the, like, it's got the onboard 7200 kilowatt generator um the, you know you could power your house with that sort of thing because it's got the power boost engine so yeah this is important to note too you got the fully electric truck well it's not fully electric it's the hybrid so it's got a six cylinder in it um a turbo six cylinder plus the high the motor the the electric motor so the, the, the actual Ford lightnings won't come out until late 2022 and possibly early 2023 that's the fully electric and i might have actually waited on one of those but this truck doesn't fit in my garage and the lightning wouldn't either so i wouldn't have been able to pull it into anywhere to charge it at my house if i'd have had a fully electric so that's why i was like i'll go ahead and get the the hybrid now you know go ahead and get it because the the truck is too long to fit in my garage um so so yeah it's got a a it's called their power boost engine. And what it is, it's six cylinder, uh, 
turbo turbocharged V6 plus the the battery and actually has acceleration that's on par or faster than the Raptors because of the addition of the battery. And then that battery also adds the 7,200 kilowatt generator that you can use to charge other electric cars or your house. That is pretty damn spiffy, man. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's just, I, I love it. You know, it's, it's a pickup truck at the heart, but you know, it, it's got all the cool gadgetry that I, that I love. Um, it looks sharp. It's got the, uh, retractable running boards that basically when you start walking up to the truck, it detects the key in my pocket and the running boards come out, you get in the truck and the running boards go back up while you're driving. All the lights come on, you know, it's got like full perimeter lighting around the whole truck. Uh, it's, it's real crazy. And I mean, it, so, so it finally came in. The, the lighting on it is really sweet. Like I've, I helped, uh, a coworker has one and, you know, loading crap in the back, in the bed of his truck and stuff. It's crazy because you can be in the, you know, the middle of the night, you know, no lights around and you can totally see everything you're doing because of the perimeter lighting. It's so awesome. They are crazy bright and it's got cameras. I swear. I think it's got three cameras on each side and one or two in the front and the back. Like you turn on like surround cameras. It does all the auto parking stuff, which I've played around with a little bit. It'll parallel park or back itself into a tight spot. No problems at all. Like I I was showing my wife how it worked the other day. We went out to, to dinner on Sunday. And so I was showing her how it worked and it literally started backing into a spot and then it had to stop and pull forward and then, you know, like basically have to do the, the rocking to get in that spot. And it did it all on its own. Like, you know, just right up to an inch next to the, the car that it was about to hit and then back up and then back in. It was crazy. You keep talking like that. I'm going to have to go out and buy something new myself now. Now you're just you're you're making me want it. I, I don't think you can go back to a Ford. Brian, after driving a Mercedes all those years, yeah. So oh, I didn't say was, I'd get a new. That Ford, was my but. key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You or not Tesla? There you go. And I saw the other day Teslas don't even have CarPlay at all, which would kill me because uh, it just it's so convenient. Elon hates Apple. That's the problem. He. Uh... So I just saw an article the other day that a dude. Um, well, yes, I, I shared was, that. Oh, my, that was you then. But a, a guy had basically integrated CarPlay into his car using a Raspberry Pi so that he could, you know, obviously have CarPlay on that giant Tesla screen, yeah. you know, portrait yeah. display. Mine's like 12 inches square. It's big, but the one in the Tesla is just nuts. It It really is. Yeah, that's that's about, you know, it, it just it does so much stuff. It's so much stuff that I'm never even going to use. You know, I'm already shopping for a couple of more things. Basically, I'm going to get I'm going to put a bed rug in it. I was going to get the the bed um get the spray and bed liner. And I've actually talked myself out of that and I'm going with the bed rug is what it's called. It's basically like a almost like an astro really nice astro turf that coats the whole inside of the um the bed. And really if I'm not going to be hauling a bunch of crazy stuff in the back. Like I'm going to be hauling dirt and a bunch of crazy stuff. Really what I'm going to want it for is putting luggage back there for traveling. And so I'm going to get a, a bed cover, you know, like a tunnel cover and then the bed rug just to keep stuff from sliding around back there. If you do put stuff back there. And so, um, That's those two idea. and, um, and I am going to, I don't know if, if this is the proper term, but I am going to redneck it up a little bit and I've got to get the leveling kit just to pop the front end up a little bit. Cause I think, I do think they look so, they look great already with the leveling kit with the front end just popped up about two inches to level the whole truck out. Cause I don't know if people notice, but when trucks ship, you know, from the factory truck is got a little bit of downward slope to it. So if you do haul anything or put anything on the back, it'll even out the truck as it's hauling something. I don't suspect I'll be hauling anything or doing a lot of off-roading. So um, I'm going to get a, a little uh, leveling kit and raise the front end up about uh, two inches and uh, make it just sit a little bit higher because the truck's already sitting on 22s. So sitting on dubs. That's right. That's it. <laughs> that's what was coming up. I've got dub dubs. Yeah, 22s. <laughs> uh, let's see. So since we're in the new year, we didn't really talk about. We didn't really have an end of year show. We had a lot going on in the the last uh, couple of months, but uh, we did want to talk about the basic Apple guys. Meh of 2021. 
where he uh, he was basically underwhelmed by a lot of things that Apple released. Some of these things I can kind of see, but I'm, I'm going to provide a counterpoint to a lot of these. Uh, let's see. So the first and most obvious one he, he talked about was the Apple Watch Series 7. And I had to wonder if Jim actually wrote this article because it was like, well, my Series 0 does almost all the things that this does. Is it still tell time? <laughs> So over over Christmas or I don't know maybe around the time we recorded our last show I had gotten my Apple Watch Series 7 but in between the time that I ordered it and it arrived because it took like a month and a half to arrive I went ahead and did that thing where I distribute technology to my family so my brother got my Series 6 my mother got my Series 5 and my wife is using my Series 4 and I used my old Series 3 for about a week or so and it was it was horrible like it just what I've come to expect Slumming. It it was. It was like this is awful. This is terrible. And uh, it was very very slow. You know, uh, still you couldn't upgrade it. I mean, if you wanted to upgrade the OS, it takes even longer than it does on a, on an Apple Watch now, which is can be pretty slow. There were so many things that it was only from 2017, and it felt like it was completely primitive. Can you remember how slow the first Apple Watches were? Like you saying that reminds me, like the first Apple Watches were like we were all so happy with them, but God, they were slow as hell it was like you didn't even want to click on something because you really didn't know how long it was going to take for for like the answer to come back all that stuff they did was was offloading over bluetooth to your iphone which was which was really yeah. even now they do that more often than they should and i can see where somebody might say that they're underwhelmed but in the in defense of the series 7 the cpu is way faster the uh, so if you have a series six to series seven, it's not that big a deal. But if you're coming from an older watch to a series seven, it's it's night and day difference. The bigger display is is much easier on my old eyes than the series zero was. The tap targets are huge compared to what they used to be, and not for nothing, the the fast charging on the Apple Watch now is I don't want to use anything else. And that was one feature that I thought I'd never use this. I'll never care about this. And now if I put my watch down on the fast charger, you know, it goes from like 50% to a hundred in like 30 minutes, if that, whereas if I did that on my normal charger, we're looking like an hour or something like that. It, it takes a really long time relative to now used to, I would just top my watch off at various times in the day. If I wasn't using it or anything, you know, if I had some downtime now, I don't have to do it. it. It's, it's no big deal at all. I've been, I've been really impressed with, with what it does. I think if I had one big complaint about the series seven is that, there's too many companies that are just not supporting native apps on the watch. And I don't understand why I think Uber just took away theirs this week that they've had forever. And it's like, why it can't be that hard to maintain. It can't be that hard to use. You can have limitations in it. I don't, I don't understand. So do you guys believe that the, uh, what are your thoughts on the Apple watch there first in terms of, you know, it hasn't changed much since the series zero. Well, I've only had two Apple watches. I've had my three and a six. I didn't go through, zero one two and then four five six i bought a three kim got a four my my wife and she's still on her four and i got a six when the six came out and i can tell you it's i mean going from a three to six was a big deal i mean it was so much faster and uh, my daughter and her boyfriend live here in the house and they they both have a series three and they were saying hey i can't blah 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 and i'm like well, give me your watch, and I'll take a look at their watch. And I'm like, my God, this thing is slow as crap, <laughs> you know? It's like, how did I ever live with this for three freaking years? But, yeah, big deal. I like, I have I've yet to even see a 7 in, in person, and I expect that it's just that much better. You know, like, I, I don't feel like it's probably 3 to 6 better than going 6 to 7 better. But I feel like it's still going to be better, you know. So I have a six and I did not upgrade. My wife had a a three or four. I'm not sure which one. I think it was a four. But at least the one she had didn't definitely didn't have the stay on all the time screen. And I don't think it had the electrocardiogram either. And so she upgraded to a seven and, and really loves it. Uh I think part of it for me is I think I would see hers and like it more, but she's got the smaller watch because she's got kind of the, the lady's version. So I, I think if, you know, the bigger screen on the, the full size would be nice, but at least for this year, I was just like, eh, 
you know, I, I just, I didn't see it, you know, as, as a, a need to upgrade. Uh, one of the things that he put on the list that was underwhelming was the iPad Pro, which I thought was just insanity because he was, oh, yeah, it's got a better screen and a faster processor. But I mean, and I, I'm thinking not much faster, hmm. not much faster at all, supposedly. Now, the screen, I'll give you the screen. Supposedly, the new 12.9 screen is supposedly one of the best screens on any device in existence. Like that's I've seen that multiple places. I, I'll give you that. But I think the rest of it is kind of underwhelming. It's not that the 2018 and the 2020 weren't any sort of a, a big deal. It wasn't that they were terrible. But, I mean, uh, switching to the M1 architecture, I mean, this it, we have iPads now that are comparable with, you know, the MacBooks. They're, they're, some might even say they're, they're right up there with a the MacBook Pro. So I, I would say that's still a pretty significant hardware thing. It's not that you necessarily need it, but it's there. Right. And the display is awesome. I mean, I, I expected he was going to say, oh, iPad OS is the big problem. And that I would wholeheartedly agree on. So I'm not disagreeing that the iPad wasn't impressive, but it's not because of the hardware. It's because of the software. So where I think it, it lies is you've got this Porsche that you have to drive on residential streets all the time. That, that's the problem is you've got that big, beautiful screen. You've got that, that M1 processor. It screams, and the things that you can do on an iPad, it it just doesn't use what's there right now. the The Apple software, the third party software, it hasn't kept up with the gain. Like Apple's CPU gains have been so great that it it hasn't kept up. Um, I I watch a, a lot of YouTube uh, these days, and um, I watch uh, Christopher Lawley. I think that's his name. Um, even he switched back to using a Mac for some things. Now he released, you know, a couple of recent videos where, I mean, he was like the most pro iPad person I have ever seen. And even he's like back to, you know, he's like the, and it was because of the new MacBook pros, like the new MacBook pros were so amazing, you know, that, Hey, that's what, what convinced him, you know, not that he still doesn't love his iPads, but the the limitations of what the software they make available to do on the iPad versus what the software can do on the on the the pros and i mean i don't think apple would ever allow you to run full on mac os on an ipad that would solve some of the issues if you know if if they basically allowed you to just keyboard and mouse it and have like full on ipad os running on there if you wanted it um, I find myself, I, I have a MacBook Air M1 and then the previous gen 12.9. So not the M1. Um, when the Air came in, I was using it almost all the time. And now at least I split some of the time between it and the iPad. It kind of depends on if I'm being super casual, then I'll have the iPad with me, you know, in the living room or at the breakfast table. Um, if I'm really trying to get something done, then I'll bring in the, the Air you know, and then I'm recording this podcast right now on the air plugged up to, you know, the external uh, monitor and, you know, I've got the uh, Apple keyboard and trackpad and all that goodness. So I, I don't think that it's the iPad Pro is underwhelming. I think it's that the package as a whole is not delivering on what it could deliver. Maybe that's it. No, I would agree with you on that too. But I mean, again, I've always maintained it's whatever the use case is that you're doing. If you're if you're making YouTube videos for a living like he does, and I assume that's that's his primary source of income now, then I can definitely see, you know, you want to have the full version of Final Cut Pro, or you want to have you know Premiere Pro, or something like that. But I don't really necessarily see the OS as the limitation. Like if I'm sitting eating breakfast and I'm surfing the web, my iPad will do just as well as my Mac. If I'm sitting on the couch and I want to casually look at something as I'm, you know what I mean? It's, it's only if I need something for a very specific task. If I have to record this podcast or edit this podcast, it's much easier on the Mac than it is on the iPad. Not because the iPad sucks or Mac OS sucks or, or, or excuse me, iPad OS sucks. It's because no one has just released apps for that ecosystem that that hold up as well as the mac ones do and i know about ferrite pro and all that stuff but you know you get used to using these things on the desktop there's no technical reason these couldn't just be ported over to ipad os and we know from a processor and memory standpoint they're more than capable of running it that's where i get frustrated but 
you know, for 90% of what I do on a daily basis, I, I can do it just fine on an iPad. And it's unless it's something very specialized for a task. You know, if you're having to use virtualization, if you're having to write uh, database stuff like you're doing, you know, I mean, I can see. If you want to run full on iTunes. Huh? If you want to get into iTunes and make custom playlists and use the functionality of iTunes, you can't do that on your iPad. You've got to have the full-on iTunes client. Like I was trying to make a, a new playlist to, to stream in the truck. It's basically like I, I, I love playing around with all the, the little uh, smart playlist stuff in, in iTunes. So basically I have a playlist that says all my all the songs that I've checked is, is loved, and then it picks like 250 of them that are the least recently played and keeps those in that playlist. So that way I get a full shuffle of, you know, all the stuff I like, you know, where it, it you know, kind of comes back and, and whatnot. And I've got a couple other rules in there. I've got another playlist set up that says, don't shuffle these. And then in that other playlist, it references and says, Hey, if it's in there, don't include it because like, I don't want like classical music to show up behind Nirvana, that kind of thing. And so, or, you know, hardcore trance, like I kind of keep that out of the, the mainstream playlist. And so this weekend, I actually was like, oh, I want to do that. And I was like, all right, I, I've got to go get my MacBook Air and sit down on the, you know, on the couch to do it because I can't do it on the iPad. I actually have an app now called MixMatch in iOS that will let you do this, like set up. It's not as powerful and it, and it, it can't exactly save them back for you but you can do some of that in that app but i mean i just want full-on itunes like they if they can run it on a mac now then just give it to me on my ipad it's called the music app jim we don't call it itunes anymore itunes is dead yeah well you know that's why i mean i want the full-on i like they still call it music on or they call it music on the the mac now too but it has all the old cool iTunes stuff. So my, my guess is what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to end up losing all that functionality. It's what's going to happen. They'll never bring it to the iPad. They'll just end up removing it from the Mac and be like, yeah, nobody used that. Which would be a shame. I mean, it seems kind of weird if they already have it there and having a unified processing architecture where everything runs on arm there, it seems like there's little excuse if, if you have something that does it and you can run it across all platforms, it's really inexcusable when Apple does stuff like that, where it's, it's something that's only exists on what's considered probably a legacy app. So right now the music app is actually uh web UI views um, on the Mac. And I've seen reports of in upcoming betas or versions that the music app is going to be switched to a full on app app on Mac instead of the web UI view. So it'll be interesting to see what they keep. It really will. I certainly hope that they keep the functionality they have now and just bring the rest to iOS instead of, but I have right. a feeling it'll be the way that you described where they'll just take things out. Because if they're looking at what people use, I would bet 90% of the people that are using anything for the music app are just streaming things and simple playlists. Right. I've definitely, I've talked to people that they didn't even know it did that. Like they're, or like I'll talk to somebody that's a Spotify user and they love it. And I'm like, yeah, but I like to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, what do you do that in? I'm like, iTunes. They're like, really? I'm like, you know, like you, I don't know. It To me, it's, it's like almost having the ability to write fake SQL versus my music library, which, you know, if they, if they would just give me a, I, I joke, but if I had a SQL interface to most things in the world, then I'd be like Elon Musk. I, you know, I just, I'd be dominating but I, I just need that sql interface to everything <laughs> i get what you're saying i just i wonder how many like when your own anecdotal experience probably bears this out but i wonder how many people are actually using a lot of that stuff i mean i i know i sure don't but then again i'm not a power user in in any of those things i'll, I'll have a specific hankering for a playlist i created three years ago and i'll just listen to it either straight through or shuffle it i don't really worry about some of the more complex scenarios but it seems like it would be so trivial to add that you think, why not have it in there? Why not make it that? It would make yeah. it stand out against things like uh, Spotify and whatnot. And how hard is that really to maintain? Because it's just XML behind the scenes that they're doing for, or at least it used to be in iTunes, so I assume it still is in the music app. So it's not like it's, it's something hard for them to do, but we shall see. I have, I have one. I need to make sure it's shared, and I'll send you a link to it. it you, you'll appreciate it. It's, it's called Rebel Radio. 
I've even got the old U92 Rebel Radio logo on the playlist. And it's like a bunch of alternative tracks and stuff like that. They were real big for the years when I was in Oxford is what's all on that playlist. So. I've gone through and made a few of those myself where it was like, I remember playing this, this, this. And I can't believe I still remember. Yeah, totally. I remember like like the first time I heard 311 was on like a Smasher Trash on U92. It was like. 3 or 4 p.m. every day they did one song that was smash or trash and it was a 311 song and we're like whoa that was different and so good and you know just like I remember that so, you know laying on the couch in the house with my roommates you know whatever year it was you know junior senior year and it just comes you know I remember that to this day I still remember when I when I was there, they would have like the red stuff. They had these note cards, and that's what you had to use when you were assembling all of your tracks you were going to play over the thing. So things in red came up three times an hour. Things in yellow were like two times an hour, and things in blue were once an hour. And I would remember how songs would move from red to yellow to blue. And having to, and of course, I think the year that I left, which would have been like 97, I think they went to a completely digital thing after that. So even, even the magic of what I had was gone after, uh, after the mid nineties. And I, I get, I reminisce for those days. Sometimes I get sad and oh, I think totally. about it cause it was, it was so much yeah. fun to, as a kid who, because it went from analog to digital, <laughs> we had the carts, we had the commercial carts that we used to use. And as a kid who grew commercial up on, carts. <laughs> on, yeah. on WKRP, you know, I grew up on that and then getting to be my own Johnny fever going in there and, and playing what I wanted to play was just because when it went digital, you didn't have any control over anything anymore. Like the station manager completely controlled it all. You had some discretion when when I was there, but they made it all digital, and you know it was it took a lot of the the magic and the fun out of that stuff. I'll still hear songs from the nineties now, and it'll remind me of oh, we used to use that in a commercial bed. Oh, we used to use that in a commercial bed. You know, uh, G Love and Special Sauce used to come up a lot yeah. for uh, for that stuff, and I remember it. And uh, you know, I remember hey, that's that was an ad for Proud Larry's back in nineteen ninety five. We were driving to Oxford this fall, and um. We were going down the highway, and there was a sign for Bahelia. And I said, Bahelia Tire and Battery, where quality is job, job one. one. Yep, yep. And my, li- my wife looked at me like, what the hell? I'm like, that was an old ad on the radio, like back from the early 90s. And it just stuck in my head. That's the only thing I know that's in Bahelia, Mississippi. Is It's probably not even there anymore, but Bahelia Tire and Battery, yeah. You know, to this day, even stuff that, that wasn't, I didn't even grow up where those things was, but I still remember 588-2300 Empire, you know, from like uh, WGN watching Cubs games back in the days and they would advertise Empire carpets or whatever. And it still sticks in my head. That's a, that's a deep cut. And you had the the good radio voice. Like, I mean, there were people in journalism that, you know, they were in it and you'd see where they, they could have made it. But Brian definitely had the voice for radio. I always used to get picked on in my family when I was a kid because I spoke quote unquote too proper. That was you don't you don't sound like the rest of us. What is wrong with you? And then when I then when I got into Water Valley Then when I got into journalism in uh and I would be there in Farley Hall and I would hear some of my fellow DJs pronounce stuff, it it was like nails on a chalkboard to my soul when I would hear just the mispronunciations, the, the, the accents that were so thick that, you know, you could practically taste the cornbread and buttermilk. It was, it was bad. I didn't know what they were saying in some cases. It was that bad. Indeed. I heard one of my fellow DJs refer to, was it, uh, uh, Luscious Jackson as Lucius Jackson (laughs) something. And it was just like, Oh, why are you doing this? Why are you mangling the language? Oh, oh, it used to, it drove me nuts. So that made me extra, you know, uh, focus extra hard on how I, I sounded so that I, I could wipe all vestiges of that from my voice. If I ever had it, I don't think I really did, but, uh, but yeah, wow. We got a real diversion there. I like that. Yeah, that's fine. It, it, sometimes it happens, right? That's where we're three buddies sitting around talking about this stuff and you kind of have to let it go, <laughs> go to where it goes sometimes. Indeed. Sorry if you're listening and Yeah. That was for buy, a very variety of people. <laughs> uh, let's see. So the the next thing on the list was the new Apple TV was underwhelming and overpriced, which I'll agree that it's overpriced, but 
overpriced but well worth it for that remote. Period. End of story. If they had they just released the new, remote. Yeah, if they had just released uh, the, agree. Remote. the new remote, yeah. awesome. They fixed the remote. That end of story. This summer, Verizon put those on sale, I think, for like 15, 20% off. And I just went ahead and replaced every Apple TV remote, all three or four that I had, That aside from the one that I got when I bought the new one. I'm sorry I missed that. I've, I've actually had a camel alert on Amazon for that remote for probably probably about since they come out, and they still haven't dropped down on there at all besides where they were because I have my older Apple TV upstairs, and the remote on that one died. So if I want to use it up there, I just use it on my phone, which is fine, but it would be nice to, to have you know another remote for it. If I see those pop up, because usually like Verizon and AT&T, those places that you wouldn't expect when you don't think of, I'm going to go buy my Apple accessories from the phone store. And you certainly don't think of things like Apple TV remotes and things like that. But they sell Apple pencils. They right. sell all that stuff. Hmm. That is interesting. I would have never thought to look there either. And I think I used part of my iPad Pro rebate, which gave me like 200 Verizon bucks to... Uh, to do that too so that uh that was a no-brainer it's like i'm replacing all the remotes in the house with these because they're so 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 much better uh let's see there was a couple of other things but i think we're running on about time here uh microsoft acquired activision blizzard today for 68.7 billion dollars which I thought was amazing (laughs) one billion dollars uh yeah microsoft owns the single largest acquisition ever by Microsoft. So I, I listened to Tech Meme Ride Home before we started here today, and he said that it's it's it not even close. It's like double whatever the biggest acquisition Microsoft's ever made. And you have to think it's it's primarily for something like Game Pass. So we know that Activision has had a lot of problems with uh, sexual misconduct in the last year or so. They had the Cosby Room that they referred to. I mean, some some pretty surprising things i've worked in corporate america a long time and i would have never thought any of this stuff would fly especially at a place like activision and blizzard that big yeah i mean it's just how does that happen you know i in the finance industry it was it was ridiculous how the rules and things that they had but this it just i don't know it just it's not even that new it's not like you could say it's like a startup culture or anything like that it i mean this is a very mature company they've been around for like 40 years or something or more yeah they were making stuff for the atari 2600 you know blizzard's been around yeah yeah so yeah it's it's crazy but uh, anybody that's used Game Pass knows that this is going to be a huge, huge thing for Game Pass because as someone who uses Game Pass, I got to say, I've been I've been pretty impressed with it. Just having access to all of the stuff that you get through there, being able to play it on PC, iPad, uh, iPhone, all of those things. It's it works really, really well, surprisingly well. So I'm I'm excited uh, to see that. And hopefully, maybe, possibly, they'll get rid of some of that stupid loot crate microtransaction nonsense that is that has plagued the industry. That's the one place that Apple has them all beat is that at least with Apple arcade, you buy a game, you get a game. You don't have to go and do uh, infinite microtransactions. Of course, with halo infinite, you, there's a lot of stupid things you can buy for it too. So maybe it's, 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 I'm hinging my hopes on something that won't happen, but I, I certainly hope so. Opinions there, Brad, did you ever think Microsoft would own? Wow. Uh, I, I really didn't. I always thought, wow. Activision or Blizzard or whatever you want to call it would sort of be its own standalone thing sort of forever, you know, just with the, the past that they've had both with Diablo and world of Warcraft growing up from 19 or I'm sorry, 2004. I mean, I've played Diablo forever. I mean, I remember playing Diablo on, I don't know, Windows three, one, or maybe Windows 95, your mouse and, loves you for that. Click, 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 and and freaking loved it. I mean, yeah, click, 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 lots of clicks. Um, good thing I had my own computer in my own bedroom. You know, nobody, nobody can hear you clicking away. Um, it is hard to believe, you know. And I I didn't know if all of the the sexual harassment, you know, stuff was part of the Blizzard environment or if it was all of activision or what because originally i mean blizzard was its own company it got bought by activisions at some point in the past so i've always been such a big fan of blizzard in itself in the back of my head i sort of wanted to say ah it's it's not them you know it's they didn't do that 
they didn't do that just because I like that stuff so much. It's like if you were a fan of whoever that got canceled, it's like, ah, they didn't really do that. Louis C.K., well, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, Louis C.K. He, Perfect pro- example. Probably Louis C.K. the most. You know, he, he was the one that probably had the least amount of uh, proof in his favor. But, you know, as as a fan, you don't want to um, – you know, hate hate on them too much, and then they come out with a new special or whatever. And you're like, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I mean, I I'm sort of surprised by the whole thing, and I don't know how much of what Microsoft is doing as far as just a acquirement of assets is going to actually change the culture at any one company. You know, how much of this giant company are they going to rope in? to the Microsoft umbrella of culture. I think one thing they did say on, on the ride home was that the, the whole, the, the chaos of the last year or so within Activision Blizzard had driven their stock price down enough that that's what made this possible, that they were so big and, you know, owned so many different franchises that, you know, it, somebody making a play for them would have been tough. But, I mean, Microsoft probably got a great deal here if they can write that ship because basically the price is way down. I mean, even at $65 billion, is it a, you know, like a, a good, you know, hey, you got a great deal there, $65 billion, you know? It's like a gold box special. Um, so, you know, who who knows how this is going to turn truck. out? Treasure truck. Yeah, treasure truck. You know, here you go, Activision Blizzard. And uh, so, it, you know, it's going to be interesting, $65 billion. Sixty-eight point seven, I think now, it was. And now to see if if the DOJ is even going to let it happen, right? Because I mean, I, I don't. I think they should because I think they compete in different things, and I think there's plenty of of other people in the market that they're not. You know, they're not a monopoly. Even together, they're not. So um, hopefully, the DOJ doesn't doesn't mess with it. Um, but I will see about that. Now I've always wondered, just on a side would we ever see something like wow on a console and i realize there's a lot of commands built into that keyboard lots of little maps you know the map and the info and all these other little things is there a way that we could eventually see say wow on the xbox you can do a keyboard and mouse on the xbox Uh, at least on the series x i know you can Okay. Hey, there well, you go. That's what you want on your now brand they, new now iPad they just have Pro, to port it. <laughs> is, wow. That's what you want on your iPad Pro 12.9 with the M1 full on wow. There you go. That's what you want. And a key and a keyboard and a mouse, <laughs> which you can do on an iPad. <laughs> I had to double check myself and make sure that what I was saying uh, was correct, but there is a Microsoft support thing, support.xbox.com, about adding a mouse and a keyboard to your... Now, I'm sure that's not their preferred interface, but if uh, if they do things to make it more uh, more friendly to, to console gaming or those types of things, which, again, if you use Game Pass and you play games, you stream them from Microsoft's cloud to your, through Safari, uh, not optimal, but still to your iPad or your iPhone, that that is some neat stuff. I really, really hope that Microsoft I and think Apple, that's what I've gotten one of my nephews for two Christmases in a row. It's basically a, a year game pass. I, I, I mean, he, he loves it. I'm a grown-ass man, and I like it. <laughs> it's neat. Though, I got to say... Oh, man, I'm 40. I love game pass. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing uh, Halo Infinite with my 12-year-old nephew. So having the, having the downtime that I've had with the health problems... I've uh, I've bonded with some of my nieces and nephews, and uh, I have one nephew in Kentucky in particular. We play stuff on the uh, on the Oculus Quest Two. He taught me about a game, and oh my god, I'm going to sound so old in talking about it, but it's uh, Gorilla Tag, I believe it's called. And it seemed when he told me about it, it seemed silly. Then I played it, and I'm like, oh my god, this is this is so much fun. You're basically this this Minecraft looking ape, and you're flinging yourself around rooms, and you play tag, and it sounds stupid. But by the time you're done, you're sweating and you're like, oh, my God, I need to go to the garage and set up so I have enough room. I nearly punched out my soundbar last week uh, doing this, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, we've been playing some Halo Infinite, which there's so many things that they've added in Halo Infinite that an old timer like me that has played 
forever needs to get a little bit better versed on. So now you have a, uh, a grappling hook is one of the big things that's, uh, that's different, but it's, uh, it's really neat to be able to sit there and have to control my language and my outburst that I would normally say if I was playing alongside my wife and, uh, moderate that language down for, for all audiences. So it's, it's forcing me to be a calmer gamer when I play, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Well, I think that's a, probably a good place to stop for this week. If, uh, if you guys are up for it next week, we'll just reconvene and uh, put out shows a little more uh, a little more frequently than we've been doing, barring any sort of other biblical plague that falls upon me. I'm game. You're muted, Jim. I keep hitting the wrong button. <laughs> once we can get Josh back in on it, once he's feeling a little better. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. Let's, let's get together and talk Apple. Fantastic. I think I'm the only one, one amongst us who has not had COVID yet. So, woohoo! Yay. Well, technically I had the flu, so I, I haven't actually had COVID yet. So I, I, I took three rapid tests and it never, it ne- they never tested positive, but I, it, the flu took me down for a good 48 hours. I was out. So, you know, whatever it was, you don't want it. Well, the bad mm. thing about being immunocompromised is anything could take me out. The good thing is I stay in my house and I seldom leave. So <laughs> checkmate, uh, checkmate COVID. Yeah, but you got a wife. You got to be careful. Yeah, and she does, you know, COVID tests and uh, COVID vaccinations as part of her job. So I just have to hit her with one of those industrial showers when she comes home, like they have, like in the back in The Walking Dead and the CDC when they'd come through with a big yeah. <laughs> Spray her down as she comes in the house. Yeah, it's like <laughs> unclean, unclean. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping to to avoid that. But looks like things are on the uh, the upswing for me for. Uh, Health-wise, I keep saying that, and things seem to be okay, but we'll we'll see how they keep progressing. So hey, just keep on going, man. You, you're, <laughs> I, you know, just the inspiration is crazy. I mean, you just, yeah. I I don't think I'd, have, I, I definitely wouldn't be sitting there smiling like you are right now. I mean, yeah. So it's know, it's tough. It's tough some days. I appreciate that. It it is tough some days. Um, but as long as things continue to trend upward, I mean, I feel like a cockroach who survived like three nuclear holocausts so far, just bomb after bomb <laughs> after bomb. And I just keep coming back like, like a serial movie, like a uh, horror movie killer, just over and over and over. Like Jason, just sitting straight up on the, on the table. We got him that time. Heart transplant. Ha ha. Oh wait, no cancer will do it. Nope. Nope. He's still back. Then, then at the beginning of the next movie, <laughs> give me my hockey mask. He's not exactly. dead. <laughs> Go. All right, this is a good place to stop. So uh, until next week, uh, later, fellas. Later, fellas. Later, fellas.